Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. This episode of the podcast explores how Gen Z's penchant for bringing social issues to the forefront impacts the financial services they use and their choice of providers. We look at one particular partnership between Klarna and Good On You that demonstrates the power to serve Gen Z via a collaboration that combines sustainability with financial services. We'll also explore how some of the largest financial institutions can navigate this new generation by more deeply understanding them. It will require some evolution though. This conversation is part of a special podcast series where we explore the fascinating Gen Z deeper, their relationship with money, how they like to save, spend, and borrow money, their fears and aspirations, and their connections to social issues. Joining me on this podcast is Salah Saeed, Head of Sustainability at Klarna, Dave Donovan, Head of Publicis Sapiens Financial Services Practice in North America, and J.D. Shadell, Editor-at-Large at Good On You, which publishes data on 5,000 fashion brands sustainability. Tearsheet thanks our sponsor, Publicis Sapient, for their support. Read more and download customer research about Gen Z and financial services at steezlife.co. That's S-T-E-E-Z-L-I-F-E dot C-O. Now let's talk about Gen Z, financial services, and social issues. Great. So Salah, can you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm Salah. I'm responsible for sustainability and ESG at Klarna. Klarna is a global payments network and shopping assistant. Uh, we're based out of Stockholm and we reach 150 million consumers in 45 markets and work with half a million uh, retail partners. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast, Salah. Thank you. David, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm David Donovan. I'm an, <clears throat> an executive vice president at Publicis Sapient. We're a digital consulting and technology services firm that serves all industries. I lead our North American financial services vertical, the biggest vertical at Publicis Sapient, and we work with all the major banks and asset managers and anyone that plays within the financial services ecosystem. Welcome, Dave. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. JD, can you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Thanks. Yeah, I'm J.D. Shadell, uh, Editorial Director and Strategist based here in London and Editor-at-Large at Good On You, where I oversee a bunch of different fun reporting projects, diving into Good On You's brand data, brand ratings for fashion. And for context, Good On You is the leading source of brand ratings in the fashion industry and launching soon in beauty as well. Welcome, J.D. Yeah, thank you. So we're here to talk about Gen Z and the relationship to, to social issues and, and, and what kind of role that plays in, in decision making, particularly in financial services and shopping. Um, first question is really aimed towards Salah and JD. Um, how would you describe Gen Z's values and their impact on the financial industry's approach to sustainability? When it comes to Gen Z, um, we, we launched several reports. Our recent report, the 2023 Money Pulse report, found that Gen Zers, they're digital first, they have a preference for digital devices, smartphones, smartwatches, and so on. And they're much more budget conscious and frugal. Um, so it really shows that they look into their budget before they make a purchase decision. They're much more conscious when it comes to shopping choices, um, but they're also much more purpose-driven um, and really look into who are the brands that they shop with, what do they want to shop, and, and try to make conscious decisions um, and they don't really make buying decisions lightly. That's what we learned. And I think that aligns very well um, with sustainability because you're always looking into 
making a conscious choice of, for instance, a more durable product or saving money. And, and that could be great for your wallet, but also for the planet. So whenever we try to invest in products that could last a, lo uh, a lifetime or we products that we could resell, for instance, um, that's something um, that's definitely great for them and fits really the idea of durability, sustainability and being frugal. And I can underscore uh, a lot of what uh, Salah is saying here as well, which uh, good on you. That's that's what we see as well, which is there's a lot of different indicators that Gen Z is the most socially conscious, environmentally conscious generation um, yet. And that definitely influences how they approach making uh, consumer choices, financial decisions that impacts like, you know, overall, we see see those values. Um, there's a lot of different kind of stats that you can cite, like that say Gen, Gen Z is more interested in supporting brands that demonstrate sustainable credentials that will invest more in a sustainable product that, you know, are uh, individually in their own lives as well, taking action to reduce their uh, footprint, their impacts. Um, at the same time, I think it's really interesting in analyzing this generation to think about the behavior intention gap, because we also see at the same time, a lot of kind of dissonance between both those values. And then also some of the industries that, you know, Gen Z is the primary consumer of, um, like fast fashion, obviously a good on you. We see growth in a lot of fast fashion brands, which are driving a lot of the problems in the fashion industry from, both the, the carbon footprint of the industry through to uh, the waste crisis. And so I think it's it's kind of interesting to see both of those dynamics at play, right? Because like it good on you, Gen Z is our largest user, uh, base of users by age. And more than two thirds of our users are under the age of 30. And so clearly there's like a growing movement. And that's also the, the largest growing segment of our audience that uses our data on our own platforms. And so clearly there's, there's a growing movement uh, that is putting sustainability, putting those values at the center of a lot of those financial decisions. And at the same time, we see some of the dissonance. And some of that, I think, just has to do with the fact of it's kind of hard to talk about a generation uh, broadly. And so you're going to see a lot of you know, nuance within that. I think also it's just cost of living um, is, is also a key factor for this gener generation. So... It's yeah, it's really an interesting conversation when it comes to thinking about like the values and how those are put in practice and some of the, the data that speaks to both of those things. I appreciate that. And, you know, this this episode is about talking about the generation as a whole. But you're right. I, I think it's, it is important to emphasize the fact that it's it's not monolithic and that there is nuance there. Um, Dave, how are you seeing it in, in your work with some of the largest financial institutions in the world? Um, how are you guys thinking about sustainability and the connection with Gen Z? Well, first of all, I think um, for bank why, for banks and asset managers, this is an extremely important demographic because when you look over the next, say, two decades, uh, millennials and predominantly Gen Z are going to be the, um, the largest consumer base that they're going to have to serve and they're going to inherit something like $30 trillion in wealth over the next couple of decades. And I think their impact on the industry is starting to be significant. If you look at just things like shifts towards in, in sustainable investing, the, the creation of, of ESG products, green bonds, and, and um, 
and investments that are that are geared towards uh, sustainable projects. Uh, they force transparency on banks. You know, Gen Z uh, as a as a value is all about transparency, and I think they've demanded that their financial institutions become more transparent, not just in how they report their businesses, but also the types of companies that they work with. And in some situations, they've uh, affected change around financial institutions you know, not engaging with companies that are that are not uh, that are not eco friendly, like like you know, big oil. Uh, you've also seen a, a change which is paramount to my business, which is in technology, uh, because to gain the the loyalty of Gen Z, Gen Z is all about seamless integration and personalization, and you know because they're digitally native. They, they demand that their experiences be the same as, you know, work as, uh, as, as uh, engaging with something like Netflix or Spotify. And in the past, you know, many generations have kind of put up with some of the friction that banks have, have created, it, created, but Gen Z is going to have no to- you know, tolerance for that. And they're going to uh, open with their, with their wallet. And so, uh, Publicis Sapien, of course, being being a technology integrator, uh, this is key to our to our strategy. Where we're helping these businesses reimagine themselves so that they can, you know, essentially thrive and service this uh, this demographic uh, in a way that that they want to be served with that you know that personal touch because I think that's going to be really important. And that comes with with technology. It's going to come with. Uh, you know, a lot more focus on, on um, data and AI. And, and that's why you've seen the rise of alternative banking models like fintechs and robo-advisors and, and challenger banks. Got it. Um, and one of the reasons we invited you all here, I know, you know, JD and Salah, you guys have a collaboration uh, between Good On You and, and Klarna. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that collaboration is, how it came about, um, and the impact it's having on, on your customers, your readers. I think David just just mentioned uh, generations really looks into trying to align their values with um, with the brands that they shop with and try to understand whether they you know they kind of serve the needs that they have um, as consumers. And we see in our data, for instance, that eight out of ten consumers really is trying to look for brands that they can align their values with. So. What we do at Lana is we try to help consumers to get that transparency and that information around brands, but also around products. This is a differentiation for consumers. Some, some come online and, and they use our browsing and inspiration features to just look for a product, very specific product. But then there's a lot of consumers that do have brands that they share values with and that they want to shop with and that they want to learn more about. So um, one reason for us um, to collaborate with Good On You was that we wanted to have a credible external partner that vets and assesses brands to what they are. We, we are not a judgmental platform. We, are, we try to amplify the information that is publicly disclosed in a very simple and digestible way to consumers so they can use it and make more informed choices. And, uh, and that's been going for more than 10, two years now, I think. Um, and it's been really appreciated by consumers because it's a very digestible and easy information to get. On the other hand, I also want to say that it's absolutely important to be truthful and not misleading towards consumers and to really make sure that if they want to dig deeper, if they want to learn more about the impacts of certain companies, that they can do that. 
And that's something that they can absolutely do with Good On You. So very simply put, when consumers browse and shop with Kana, they're able to find information about the company um, when it comes to fashion brands. And they'll look at the, the brands that have been rated and we only display um, brands that have been highlighted very, very good um, by Good On You. So they can shop with them. They can learn more about them. They explore three different impact areas, working conditions, environment, environmental impact, and animal welfare. Um, we do that also in other areas, but I'll, I'll let you chip in here, uh, JD. But I think the important piece is consumers like to get information about the product, but usually, and maybe that's that goes back to that specific generation, it's not enough to just know that there is a collection that was made out of more sustainable materials. I want to know the overall impact of the company. And that creates trust. And that maybe creates another purchase and um, a love brand and the reason for someone to come one more time and to stick around. Absolutely. I think that really underscores why Good On You exists in the first place is that we know consumers, especially Gen Z, younger consumers, care about sustainability, want to support more sustainable brands. But there's the challenge of not being able to find or assess the information. There's either too much information and you don't know what to make of it, or you're struggling to get that information and making informed choices becomes really challenging. And so the whole reason Good On You exists is that we believe consumers have a right to know how brands impact the issues that they care about. And, you know, we do that through our platforms, of course, consumers, use good on you to check brands ratings, but ultimately we want that information to be as widely available as possible. And it really is through collaborations with innovators like Klarna that we're able to do that, like surface that information, which is all based on what is publicly available. And uh, it really gives us, I think, those opportunities to meet consumers where they are. And I think that's like the key uh, benefit of this collaboration. And I think why it's been, a success in, in our minds and why we're really excited about Klarna committing to providing this information to consumers in an accessible way. Maybe one thing to add here, I think an interesting component is also, we work, as I said earlier, with like half a million retail partners, the opportunity to use this information and to help them understand how they perform, how they can improve, and ultimately allowing them to have a piece of that opportunity with consumers out there if they improve. I think that's really important. And obviously with a lot of more efforts within ESG and sustainability, a lot of companies look into their own supply chain, their own operations, which is great. And that's everything that they should start with. But if there's an opportunity for you to use your cloud and your reach as a force for good, be it for um, be it for, you know, for the sake of you want to be an environmentalist company and, and have a large commitment or be it for the reason that you want a piece or a stake in this massive opportunity that is out there. I think that doesn't matter. It's really um, it's really the opportunity or I think companies should just try to unleash the potential they have when it comes to yeah. their engagement with consumers and partners and, and good on you yeah. is a great partner for that. Well, and one one quick addition to that, because I think that's such a great point, which is that like, I mean, good on you exists because we envision a future that's more sustainable, right? And and to get to that future that's more sustainable, part of it's encouraging and incentivizing accountability and transparency. 
Uh, we also want to empower brands to do better. That's that's key to our mission as well, right? Like we want to help brands do better so they can reach these growing um, consumer segments that are putting the values um, around sustainability and ethics at the center of their decision making. So we've been creating tools and opportunities and partnerships to do that more. And so I think you'll see more from us in that space and more from us in Klarna collaborating together to try and make that impact even greater. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that feedback loop on the merchant side. Definitely, you know, I, I see the impact on, on the consumer side. Before we go further in our conversation, I wanted to call out that Publicis Sapiens Dave Donovan, EVP of Financial Services, has been banging the table on the need for banks to get serious about serving Gen Z. Dave means business and believes that banks face a huge threat here if they don't get it right. I spoke with him about how to connect with Gen Z and how banks can do it better. My name is David Donovan, and I'm an executive vice president with Publicis Sapient. I lead our financial services vertical in North America at Publicis. Why doesn't financial services in general get Gen Z? What, what, what's going on there? Well, I don't think that they've taken the time to really understand the demographic. And you know, Gen Z is a lot different from millennials, and it's a lot different from baby boomers. And I think banks have been comfortable thinking that they understand uh, a certain demographic that works for them. And Gen Z represents a much different demographic. For one, they've grown up with, you know, with technology, you know, they're, they're digital first. And for banks, banks have, have evolved into technology. It's not something that's a, a comfortable muscle memory, you know, muscle for them but it is a very comfortable muscle for Gen Z in, in all aspects of their life. It sounds like what you're saying, Dave, is like you can't just do a marketing campaign and expect to reach Gen Z for a product that doesn't necessarily resonate with them. No, no. I mean, banks, they need to understand and connect in, with Gen Z in a much deeper way. And you know, the best way to do that is through leveraging digital tools and through transparency and being authentic. One thing that Gen Z values more than anything is authenticity and banks. I'm not saying that they're not authentic, but they're not always transparent. No, banks aren't necessarily known for that. And to do business with Gen Z, the way our institutions communicate will need to change. Our research shows that authenticity, even for brands, is really important for Gen Z. Financial institutions will have to walk their talk if they want to build rapport and trust with their youngest customers. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk and maybe zoom out a little bit. Dave, this is going to go over to you and look at financial services, you know, maybe at a, at a 50,000 foot level. Um, how have you seen the financial services industry evolve in response to Gen Z's sustainability preferences? Well, I think the, the response is, is um, a testament to Gen Z's sustainable preference. And it's a, t it's a testimony to the power that they hold, that they've made changes. When you think about um, uh um, how Gen Z thinks about wealth, for example. It's not just about making money or, or increasing your, your 401k, but it's really about financial health and, and, and how, how you can make, a, 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 you know, how, that, how that creates social impact. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly, you've seen lots of products and services that are geared towards ESG. So whether it be... Um, ESG-centric funds, ETFs, or products that 
cater to the, any sort of growing demand within the space. And, and you've seen that rise in the space and, and to the point where um, it's transforming the industry around every, every company is being looked at for what is their, you know, how, from a corporate governance perspective, what, you know, how, what's their, what's their thought on ESG? How are they sustainable? Uh, you know, you look at banks, you know, banking with a purpose, for example, are banks going to be able to uh, offer products and services, maybe loans that have much more favorable interest rates towards companies that are going to be mission driven as it relates to sustainability projects. Uh, I mentioned green bonds before. There's a whole market and secondary market on green bonds, along with you know the ETFs and everything we talked about, you know, robo-advisors with ethical, ethical uh, focus, the idea around transparency. I think Gen Z's had a, had a huge impact on forcing not just financial institutions, but every institution to be more transparent in how they deal with the world and who they deal with. And so I think, you know, from, from, a, from an FS perspective, there's, there's absolutely an impact because I think that financial services companies, and we've talked about this in the past, uh, and, and it's uneven. Some, some, some are ahead of others, <laughs> but clearly at some point, all of them are going to have to understand that these are the future consumers of their products and services, and they are not going to be able to thrive as a business, unless they're able to win the brand loyalty of this of this demographic, and this demographic is, has been very clear around the things that they value, and sustainability is top of the list. Got Salah. How about you? How do you see um, financial services firms evolving in response to to Gen Z's requirements around sustainability? Yeah, I, I think the data is clear. We see that there is a high demand from consumers in regards to sustainability. There's a demand for information and transparency and also, you know, consumers holding companies more accountable. On the other hand, I think, mm -hmm. you know, that's a driving force for a lot of companies to look into how they can improve on their ESG performance, but also what can they do in order to respond to that demand? Because disclosure is one thing, but we also need action. Um, but I do think that a lot large companies or in general companies are more and more understanding that there is pressure from a lot of different sides as investors, as policymakers, there, there is employees and they all are demanding more sustainable practices and business. So I think I like to look at this as an opportunity, as something that will help a business to, to strive and, and keep their license to, to operate in regards to preferences from Gen, Gen Z, but also in regards to um, expectations from all sorts of stakeholder groups. So I think as a company, you should really start figuring out in your operations, what's my roadmap to decarbonize? How can I make sure that I respect nature and, and the communities that I operate in? And one thing that we started off at Plana was to say, we don't want to limit ourselves to just focusing on our own operations. Um, so instead of just saying we are going to make a climate neutral claim or uh, we're going to offset um, every, um, all the emissions that, that we've emitted over the last couple, couple of years, we decided to focus on projects that are external. So we support carbon removal, decarbonization initiatives, uh, but also climate advocacy projects through uh, funds that we generate through an internal carbon tax. And I think those steps that companies take um, outside of their own business that relate to a larger impact or systemic impact can be really crucial and 
and shaping the future and really showing that even I, I think maybe one one thing I want to add here is for financial service companies, they're usually on the low emitting end when it comes to impacts on the environment. They're not large manufacturing brands. So I think the opportunity here really is to think, what can I do beyond my operations? What can I do beyond my value chain? Investing in amazing tech solutions and carbon removal, supporting consumers to understand the impact of their choices, allowing them to, to track their carbon emissions, all sorts of things, or allowing them to explore brands. I think if you understand what the business opportunity here is and you go beyond what you have to do, it's a massive opportunity. And a last thought on it, I feel with increased regulation and increased expectations, unfortunately, we're seeing a little bit of a trend of green hushing and a lot of brands being a little bit more careful around what they want, it, what they want to say around their sustainable practices. And I think as long as it's truthful and it's not misleading and you back up or you can back up what you do, you should talk about it because we need much more companies to go down that road and we need much more companies um, to be bold enough and, and courageous enough to, to continue on that sustainability journey um, and not just to focus on what they have to do. Yeah, I really appreciate that concept of looking at externally to a company, not just at your own emissions, but the impact that you could have on your ecosystems as a citizen in the world. I think that's really interesting. Dave, I want to go back to you and ask if you can cite examples of how technology, particularly like fintech, um, is being utilized to promote sustainability within financial services. You talked about some new products, obviously, that that play into that. But do you have any other examples? Well, first and foremost, I think is the is the digital only, only banking platform. I mean, what better uh, response to sustainability because you're talking about branchless biz banking business, no paper or electricity to, to power the branch. So I think that's that's certainly the first initiative that I would think about. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about ESG robo advisors as far as being more uh, aligned with how Gen Z wants to invest. Uh, I think blockchain is another platform that's important from a transparency perspective. It's a much more immutable platform. And for example, if you were going to track uh, initiative, initiatives that were going that were going towards uh, sustainability type projects, you could track it in a much more transparent way on blockchain. Uh, the crowdfunding and P two P lending platforms like Kickstarter or GoFundMe that can that can you know essentially reach out to the public and you can fund all sorts of, of different projects and, and initiatives. Uh, payment platforms for charities, for example, I, I've. I've supported so many charities this year because it's become seamless. It comes in, you know, I get this email that comes in. It's basically, I click on it. They look at my face. I can make the, I can, I can donate to the charity immediately with really never going into my pocket to, to pull out a wallet or anything like that. It's increased my, my, um, my charitable donations just through tech, just through that technology, uh, uh, you know, uh, upgrade. You have uh, green bond, uh, green bond trading uh, platforms that tra you know, trade the secondary market of green bonds, uh, and I also think smart contracts. Again, getting into the more, and I don't want to go down the crypto um, uh, rabbit hole, but um, but if you look at like smart contracts, you can set up smart contracts where payments can be made against milestones uh, that are that are achieved when doing a, a green project, or you have applications that can actually track carbon and carbon footprint. 
So I think technology is playing a huge uh, role in um, advancing uh, this idea of being much more uh, sustainably focused and, and much more socially focused. I want to add to that just briefly, David, I, I really love your examples and I just want to back it up a little bit with data. So one example you mentioned was consumers being able to track the carbon footprint of their purchases. It's a feature we launched, I think two and a half years ago where a consumer could go back into our app and look into all their purchases, understand the emissions related to their life cycle um, stages and, and then also act on it. Um, and when I say act on it, they can either make a contribution or they can learn about how they can treat this product in a better way so it can last longer and they can reduce the emissions while using it. And on a monthly basis, we see around 320,000 users that go and actively track their carbon emissions in a financial services app. So I think that's, that's quite significant in terms of seeing that consumers are engaging with it or being able to conveniently resell just going into an app and say, these are all my past purchases. They maintain value. I don't have to throw them away. Actually, there's a valuation for this PlayStation that I bought five years ago or evaluation for this shirt that I bought a month ago. Am I willing to, if it's convenient enough and technology helps me to make those decisions easier, I think that's something that we're trying to achieve. Similar to, to the charity you're mentioning, and the U.S. just recently relaunched a top-up donations feature that allows you to donate to a charity of your choice. I think even that is all about simplification and allowing consumers to, to participate in sustainability in one way or another. But I think the important aspect of it is it needs to be simple and you need to create trust in order to get usage. Um, so that is something I think that we all need to learn to create is a little bit more immediacy around climate change and the loss of biodiversity and, and bring it to everyday habits, like sim as simple as, you know, waking up and, and brushing our teeth in the morning. That's a, a regular habit that people don't even think about. Can it be a habit that I connect a dollar to each purchase that, that I make every time I, I, I choose to pay with Klan or whatever other financial provider? So I think that's really that's a, a unique opportunity out there with technology being so key for Gen Z and with sustainability being so close to their hearts. Yeah, so, so those are great points. The, the other one thing I was would mention, Zach, and, and this is something we've talked about in the, you know, when when talking about innovation as it relates to retail, but it can also be by, be uh, equally as impactful in sustainability is these apps that round up your change and then put it into sustainable projects. You know, when we talk about the concept of acorns as it relates to possibly, you know, going in, taking that, investing in a pair of Nike sneakers, but you could also do the same with that change being rounded up and, and put into, you know, whether it be some sort of carbon offset or some sort of program that's promoting some sustainable good, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that habit forming, um, those sort of micro behaviors is, is super important. And and clearly, I mean, that's one of the reasons we invited you, Salah, here is like, I think Klarna has been a pioneer in, in introducing this stuff early in the cycle. Um, I'd like to go back to JD now and talk a little bit more about sustainable fashion. Um, sustainable fashion is obviously, you know, popular among among Gen Z. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know how it's influencing their lifestyle choices, particularly their financial decisions. 
Yeah, I think that's such a great question because uh, I think as Salah was mentioning as well, there's like a growing emphasis on circularity. That's something we see uh, attention to things like, um, you know, actually like mending clothes, learning to mend the the growth in uh, af- like after purchase services, uh, retailers. My 16 year old just bought a sewing machine. A boy. Amazing. And Love he's, it. He's yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, it's, it's cool. It's become cool, actually, like in the same way that uh, thrifting or secondhand shopping has become really cool, largely due to, uh, you know, kind of like aesthetic trends, but also sustainability uh, values and concerns. So I think like those are some really interesting examples of how sustainability is influencing like the way kind of younger consumers think about fashion. Also, I would say there's a growing emphasis in expecting brands to communicate about sustainability as just the the bare minimum, basically, right? Like, so, I mean, you see a lot more, uh, not maybe the generation overall, but you see a, a highly engaged demographic within Gen Z that's really focused on wanting to know really detailed things about like where a product's made, uh, more information about its supply chain. I think one of the biggest trends in sustainable fashion in the past few years is just a growing consumer awareness of some of those key supply chain issues. I mean, a few decades ago, there was very little awareness of a lot of the key issues in fashion. I think it's been through, you know, uh, growing consumer movements, consumer empowerment platforms like Good On You and, and collaborations like these we're talking about here, that consumers are, you know, getting a lot more information and using that as the basis to make their decisions. I'm curious on just the the genesis, JD, also of Good On You and, and um yeah, sort of the story behind if, if there is a story behind like, you know, the formation and, and, and the targeting of this particular challenge, um, maybe you can take us back. Absolutely. So, I mean, essentially, Good On You exists because we envision consumer choice as a key driver of a more sustainable future. I think what David and Salah were speaking about before underscores the role that consumer uh, choice plays in incentivizing and, and motivating brands and and other organizations, governments, politicians to take action. So, you know, we see that in a lot of different cases and, and Good On You started in fashion, right? Because that's where uh, there are a lot of, it's fashion's a, a hugely polluting industry. It has really complex supply chains. It touches literally every per, every person on the planet you know fashion right. fashion touches so it was a really interesting starting point and uh it started on the after uh the rana plaza disaster a uh growing concern among consumers about the ethics of you know the peril brands that they support and i think that's where you know it's important to think about like sustainability not just in terms of you know, the environmental impacts, because that's like huge, but it's also the people in the supply chain, brands paying living wages. These are all things we know that younger consumers and a lot, a whole growing movement of consumers overall care, care a lot about. And so that's really how Good On You started was to focus on, on the fashion industry 
and make it as easy for consumers to understand at a glance how a brand they support impacts the issues they care about, make that as easy as checking a product's price tag, for example. So that's that's why Good On You uses publicly available information up to 1,000 data points across 100 key indicators. People, planet, animals are the key pillars we look at and simplifies that into a five-point score where we score brands on a scale from we avoid to um, good and great. And that is all about making information accessible. It acknowledges like the complexity of sustainability and ethics in fashion, because it's it's a very complex conversation. There's no easy answers, but then translates that information into something that consumers can take action on. And fashion, I would underscore is really where we started, but good on you is, is growing beyond just fashion. I mean, we really see the role of consumers uh, expanding into other verticals as well, where there's a need for information and accessibility and understanding how you can make choices based on sustainable information. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we're moving to the the end of our conversation. We have time for one more question. I think part of what is so impactful for me listening to this is is the work that Good On You and, and Klarna have done together, this collaboration. I think that that's super powerful to see the interplay of how that works. I kind of want to throw it out to the three of you. Like, um, can you can you note like collaborations or, or innovations, you know, between companies, um, whether they exist or maybe potential collaborations in the future that we can work together as as an ecosystem to help address some of the sustainability issues. I, mean, I think maybe resp- responding. I'll go ahead, David. Well, I would just say something really quickly. Um, you know, as it relates to, so first of all, the collaboration between Good On You and Klarna is awesome. I mean, I think it's it's a great testament to, to and hopefully a, a blueprint to to inspire other companies to collaborate in, in a similar way. Uh, the one area where I think you could see some collaboration as it relates to my world in finance is, is this idea of like eco-friendly credit cards, you know, we're moving towards more digital wallets, uh, you know, getting rid of that plastic that stays in a, in a, in a um, landfill for a hundred years uh, and, and becoming more um, and, you know, just essentially re recreating companies in how they, in how they uh, address sustainable initiatives, like forcing, you know, I, I, I like to think of it like with how the S, how they have to comport to rules with the SEC, there should be something similar for, for, you know, sort of an ESG standard per se. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I second, I second everything you said, David. Um, that's really great. I think we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many great organizations out there in the impact space. Good on you is a great example. Clarity AI is another partner of us. Value helps us um, in, in, in finding out, you know, estimating the carbon emissions of purchase. I think there is so many out there. Large companies should really try and, and look out for those companies and create those collaborations. I think when you have this entrepreneurial spirit um, in your culture and your company and you, you're, you're open to innovation, you don't need to do all the work alone. So I would encourage everyone to go out and work with great organizations like Good On You because we really need them and, and because you don't want to be the judge. You want to make sure that you have experts from the field that understand what they're saying and that make it easy for you and your consumers to participate in sustainability 
um, without you having to be an expert. And I think we just need a little bit more courage um, for those collaborations to happen and, and, and ultimately, you know, help those, those impact organizations grow and, and be, part of, uh, be part of all of our sustainability journeys. And JD, how about you being, you know, on the other side of that partnership? Like, what are some of the challenges and opportunities you have in your business to reach, to reach more companies like Klarna um, for these types of collaborations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a solutions journalist by back, background, by trade, by training, and so I'm, I'm really interested in collaborations that lead to impact, right? And so I think that's like where collaborations like these are really powerful. Is that we have the opportunity to reach millions more consumers, to empower them to make better choices. And we've seen a growth in, in interest in these types of collaborations. I'll also say, you know, I, uh, I collaborate with the wider team at Good On You, where a lot of people that are passionate about sustainability, a lot of sustainability nerds, also a lot of people that are interested in using tech to help us drive some of these solutions. And so we've been really working and investing on expanding those those tools and API that enterprise partners can plug into that can lead to more innovative experiences and collaborations, user experiences. I think the the um, sky's the limit if we want to quote that cliche in terms of like where I think there's possibility to innovate in this space. And so I think like this collaboration with Klarna is just a really great example of how good on you as an organization that cares a lot about social impact uh, is looking to to expand and, and also I, I'd also say the uh, phrase uh, not looking to reinvent the wheel is something that Sandra our co-founder says a lot which is really just the idea of like good on you exists to bring together all of this like publicly available data right like so we're not trying to uh, reinvent the wheel in terms of how we think about sustainability we're trying to reflect uh, growing consensus on what best practice is. And so I think having collaborations where we're all speaking the same language around, you know, what data is is verifiable, is publicly available, having more collaborations where we are, you know, along the same lines, uh, aiming to empower consumers in that way, I think is the future. Yeah, Zach, and I would just add one last point. It would be awesome if some of these large enterprises took a leadership position in driving you know, the next generation of, of financial education that aligns money with values. So as, as you build financial wealth, it, it, you know, it goes part and parcel with, with, with a certain value creation that, that, is, that is aligned with that, which of course will incorporate sustainability and, and um, you know, economic viability. Need more leaders like Klarna, right? Yeah. JD, I think Dave, it's a lot about inclusion please. here. Sorry, I just wanted to add on that, David. I think it's a lot about inclusion, right? It's about accessibility to sustainable products and allowing consumers. Obviously, you know, maybe a lot of people want to shop more sustainably, but we also need to be able to provide them with the tools or with the financial services to participate in that. And that's something that we need to keep in mind that affordability is still a key aspect of participating in, in sustainability. So. Ultimately, we should help consumers to shop smarter for their wallet, for the planet. And we can do that in, in giving them more information, but also in giving them more access to, 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 to credit and financial instruments that help them participate in, in sustainability. Yep. That's a great point. Absolutely. 
JD, Dave, Sala, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. It's been a great conversation. Thanks, Zach. Thank you.